Welcome to the EquipCast for the Archdiocese of Omaha. Designed to help leaders to transform their cultures, to embody the pastoral vision, to be one church, encountering Jesus, equipping disciples, and living mercy. Hey everybody, welcome to the EquipCast. My name is Jim Jansen and I'm your host and I'm so glad you're with us today. My friend Michael Dorneman is uh, here with us, thanks thanks to the benefit of digital technology. But I feel like he's here because I've been desensitized to imagine that uh, the picture of Michael on the screen is just as good as being with him. We need to get together in person and have a beer. But for today, close enough for the conversation. Michael Dorneman, how are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me, Jim. Okay. Tell everybody a little bit about like who you are. You're, you're coming to us from Columbus, Nebraska. Tell us a little bit. What's your story? Yeah, it's actually Duncan, Nebraska now, the, the booming metropolis of Duncan. Oh, you're um, in the suburbs. Okay. Yes. So, suburbs of Columbus. Yeah. So we moved to Duncan um, back in August of last year, but we were in Columbus before that for six, seven years. So anyway, uh, yeah, my name is Michael Dorneman. My wife is Sarah Dorneman. I have a, a lovely wife, Sarah. Um, we have five kids, uh, Lola, Zoe, Briggs, McCoy, and Hank. And like I said, we, uh, we moved to Duncan recently. I grew up in Schuyler, Nebraska, and we belong to St. Isidore's Parish uh, in Columbus. All right. So Mike, just tell a little bit, you were Catholic from, from the womb all your life? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All yeah, right. no, I grew up Catholic. I uh, grew up in a good Catholic family, um, two loving parents. And yeah, I can just remember... A lot of the Catholic activities growing up, especially just how important church was on Sunday. Um, we never missed church. And uh, praying the rosary in the car on road trips. So that was always fun. Um, but yeah, I just had a good Catholic upbringing. Um, and being an altar server, that was always important. So things like Obligatory, that. Obligatory, right. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, somewhere along the way, not too long ago, the Lord kind of grabbed your heart and began to pull you on mission. Uh, we were going to talk about that today because, you know, oftentimes uh, you can't like, right, be a Catholic today and not like the words missionary disciple and, you know, rediscovering our missionary identity, all of this. Pope Francis wants us to evangelize, but I don't know what that means. Like all of those, you, you can't be a Catholic today and not have some of those, those words evangelization, missionary disciple, to kind of becoming buzzwords. You can't have those things rolling around. You've you've had a, a really an awesome journey kind of discovering, I would say a very ordinary, like how do I how do I share my faith, live that missionary disciple thing in my family and in my work. I know you're very involved with your parish, but in a particular way, the Lord's been leading you in living that out in kind of the ordinary settings of your life. So talk a little bit about that. When did this first get started? Because that was not something that I'm assuming initially came as part of the altar server training. When, when did this start to grow in you? Tell us how it started. Yeah. So, you know, just thinking back on my life, um, you know, in, in the high school days, I was quite the class clown and, uh, uh, you know, really just wanting to be popular, wanting people to like me, like a typical teenage kid. Yeah, um, you were the only one. 
yeah. But uh, really just using, uh, trying to be funny and getting into trouble as my way of, of uh, down that avenue. And it didn't always end up well. But, you know, going to college, I was trying to fit in, to, again, trying just to be popular and getting sucked up in the ways of the world and, and following that path. And as we know, that doesn't lead us down a good path. You know, we, like you said, the buzzwords, we talk about, you know, like, when was your encounter or when did you have that kind of conversion? And it's funny, you don't really, really notice it in the moment. But when you look back on your life, you can really recognize uh, maybe a certain experiences that really led you in a different direction. And I would say for me, it kind of all started when uh, after getting married and having one, maybe my second child, uh, just like really recognizing maybe that I needed to take a different avenue and, and stop being so selfish. <laughs> and um, it started with going to a Catholic men's conference, actually. Father mm. uh, Larry Richards was there. And if yeah. anybody have heard Father Larry Richards, he's got a very unique style. Uh, and he'll New York he'll wake, all the way. Yeah, he'll wake you up uh, uh, and just really challenge you, I guess, is a good way to put it. But you know, he just, he has this whole, he's got a book in a series, Be a Man. Um, and he just talked about, you know, 2 Timothy 1, 7, and uh, the spirit that God gives us is not a cowardly spirit, but a spirit that makes us strong and wise and kind. And so just going to that conference really spoke to my mind um, and challenged me to the responsibility that I had, um, really kind of woke me up, woke my faith up. Some changes happened right after that. So I started making changes in my life and I bought I bought uh, Father Larry Richard's CD set so that I could listen to that um, as much as possible. But shortly after that, I went to a Christians Encounter Christ weekend, uh, CEC weekend. Yeah. And that's where I was able to actually connect it from my head to my heart and um, got to experience God's love in a more personal way there. And through um, the witness of other men and just sharing um, that weekend with them, um, I became to see there God's love for me, but also just that loving Jesus wasn't something that was weird or didn't have to be something that I thought was cheesy or strange. Like it, it's, it's, it's not associated with weakness. It's actually with strength. So um, talk, maybe, can we just take a little detour there? Yeah. Because that's a common, I mean, most, you know, men in particular, whether that's a conscious misconception or not i i think for most it's probably not a conscious mis misconception but that was the same i mean that was my story too you know i i remember in the moments where i was drawing closer to the lord and i was yet in the process of conversion there was this whisper that i was going to be you know losing myself or losing my masculine identity how did you like what what made the what made the difference like how'd you get past that I don't know. I think I remember when I went to the CC weekend, my wife was terrified that I was going to come back just a completely different person. And, and I like to think that I did, but it was more gradual. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I had a note in my notes at one time that said, I think that, you know, it feels like having faith in God and, and, and Jesus, this Jesus stuff is very, um, it's kind of cheesy is the, is the word I wrote. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you're alone in that. I was just having a conversation with some good friends, uh, guys over, over breakfast this morning. And we were, we we're talking about how so much of the experience of the church today for many men, it doesn't feel like an experience that is compatible 
with their masculinity. It, it feels a little too sanitized, all sorts of you know reasons for that. But I think one that maybe ties into our conversation today is that the sense of mission has has largely disappeared. You know, we we've I mean, no wonder it does sometimes we don't feel like we quite belong as men, or at least we don't belong anywhere in church except for you know being part of the grounds crew or some sort of kind of setup or takedown team. We don't feel like we belong because when we remove mission, we're just a social club. And given the typical ratios, it's a sorority. So no wonder we don't feel like we fit. Um, and I, I guess that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. You had this real discovery of a sense of mission, like the Lord beginning to call you there. Uh, talk about that. When did that When did that get started? Yeah, and maybe part of it was just from some of the witnesses on the CEC weekend from some other men. You know, as I started to make changes in my life and uh, started to maybe change people I hang hung out with or the music I listened to, things I watched on TV, just the simple changes to kind of reorientate myself, you know, have a daily prayer life, starting just to read everything I could to want to learn more about my faith. I think initially it was like, oh, I need to defend the faith. I need to be an apologist. <laughs> um, later on, I got into just books that talked about our mission and the mission that we're on. Like I think Sherry Waddell, Forming Intentional Disciples was the first one that, uh, really opened my eyes to the mission that we're called to and the mission of the church. And it's amazing how much purpose and meaning just that gives to life. Like I'm, that's what I'm here for. And that's what the church is here for is to bring people into relationship with Jesus and to make disciples. Like it, it gives life purpose and meaning. So. You do next. You're starting to read these books. You're starting to like find a sense of mission, you know, as a as a, a compass point what happened next yeah i think i i uh, just got the opportunity to do a uh, missionary discipleship 101 it was kind of a just a, a one day little training course from the archdiocese um i think you were there that day jim i was and, yeah. <laughs> out in norfolk yeah and so it just gave me a little bit more of a taste on how to maybe use some of these skills or some of the skills involved to actually live this out and start to, you know, whether it was like how to pray with people or um, how to lead a small group or, you know, just forming a list of the people that you have in your life that, that you come in contact with every day that um, to start praying about them um, and who God wants you to start to be intentional with. Um, So it kind of, you know, I, I wasn't expecting, I don't know what I was expecting of that one day training, but it was, you know, I remember being excited about it because I'd been reading some of the books and I was like, okay, here's something that I can go to, to even grow even more. Um, shortly after that, I think I was starting to think, well, what is this focus all about? Because I think some of these people here are maybe focused missionaries in the past or involved with focus. And I never got the opportunity to do that in college. And so I started to just look more on what focus was about. And it really kind of crystallized things even more. Uh, just reading a focus white paper and, you know, the wind bin build send model and mm. just all these things continue to help call me to mission and just give me skills and show me how to do it. How did it go? Right. Like the whole point, you know, I remember actually being there. We had a great conversation that day. I think it was one of the first times we, uh, I think it was the fir- first time we met. Um, the whole point of the exercise or the other little, that little training day was, okay, go get them. Let's, let's get started. Go, go practice these things, go do it. How did it go? 
yeah, part of it was, okay, how do we start to incorporate this at our parish and um, do this as a group or more people with the parish doing it? And how do we train others? I can't say that we really took off in that area, but um, from a personal standpoint, you know, trying to live this out, I think the first thing I did was to make a kind of a list of people that were in my life and to start to pray with that. And the first person that stood out was my brother-in-law. And so I was like, mm. okay, I'm going to have courage and I'm going to reach out to him and just, uh, you know, we're just going to go out for wings and beer one night. And, and so I built up the courage and did that. We went out, had a good conversation, had a fun time. From there, we kind of continued. Uh, I said, well, maybe we can set up a, just to have breakfast once a week. And we continued on that and it was great. We had a good conversation. Michael, walk us through before you go, like, what was the Lord putting on your heart? Like, what was happening as you know, because you get this list, you're starting to pray for people. What was happening as your brother-in-law was kind of coming to the surface or, or you saw your, your heart being drawn there? Like, just tell people what, what that was like. Like, what, what's, I mean, you're, you're, you're taking, I mean, where did, where did you pray? Did you just like an after mass thing? daily morning thing, pulling a little note out, you know, list of folks out of your pocket, like just kind of walk people into the details with this, this list. And then what you were hearing, experiencing as, as you were being drawn to your brother-in-law. Yeah. I think it was, um, you know, just making that list. Uh, just, I take a lot of notes on the computer. And so I think I just started making a list one day of everybody in my life there. And I don't know if in the beginning, if I prayed with it enough, to be honest, I think as I've grown now more in, um, you know, becoming that missionary disciple, I, I know I need to start with God and he really has to point those people out. And so you need to be praying regularly for them uh, and who he's calling you to be intentional with. Um, but in, in the beginning, yeah, this, you know, this, my brother-in-law kind of stood out and, and like I said, I was like, I don't even know how to do this. I just know that in the beginning, I just need to be natural and just be normal and I don't be weird. And <laughs> Always good advice. Yeah, but it's it's really just seeing that person as a, a child of God and really desiring more for them and really wanting for them what, what I have. Um, and looking, mm. you know, treating people in that way, like they're not a project or anything, but just to just to know that you want so much more for them. God wants so much more for them. And if I can somehow uh, facilitate that, then um, that's what God's calling me to do. That's great. You see, you're, you're starting to feel, I mean, uh, I'm wanting to, yeah, to get this picture really as you're just, as you're praying over this name, the, the picture of like how God is bringing this person to your attention as you're praying. It's just that, you you find a, a stronger desire for this person to experience a little bit of the relationship that you've you found with the Lord, and that, that I mean, is it as simple as that? Is that what you you're like? Yeah, that's I just kind of my strongest desire was there for my brother in law to have have that kind of relationship too. Yeah, exactly. Like I talked about in my story, just you know, so much so much of the time we tend to just be so self centered and just focused on ourselves and. And once we start just really thinking about what's important for people, what's important for me, but what's important for other people in this world. I mean, we're only here for a short time and um, to help them to, to know Jesus, to give their life to Jesus and to one day be with him. And that's what we're called to. And, and it's really just about helping people to, to witness that 
to experience that. So tell us a little bit, you know, obviously brother-in-law, family. I think for so many of us, one of the real challenges in like living as a missionary disciple is we spend, you know, eight hours a day, maybe more, five days a week, interacting with people at work. And that's a different sort of, that's a different sort of terrain, you know, knowing like, how do I, how do I have this conversation? How do I interact with people at work? Talk a little bit about uh, that. Cause it, you know, I, I know from other conversations, the Lord began to give you some opportunities there. Yeah. And the, and the funny thing with my brother-in-law is it, it led to me like helping him shingle his roof. And then I wasn't seeing enough fruit from it or something that it kind of fizzled there, but yeah, when it comes to being in the work environment, for me, you know, it really was about, again, just like caring about people and spending time and, you know, you walk over and talk to the, your fellow coworker uh, in their cube and, and you just, you talk about just everyday things, everyday, everyday life and what they got going on. And sometimes people will share little struggles here and there, uh, things that they're going through as your relationship kind of grows with them. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that happens with everybody at work, but I mean, I think there's a lot of small talk conversation um, where some of those things come out. And uh, in particular, you know, from from my experience, I had a, a coworker that had shared some things about, you know, struggling in some areas, um, be with his marriage or um, just in life. And, I'd, you know, I'd heard a few times and I wanted to help him you know, maybe this happened over the years and maybe just gave him some advice, but didn't really have the tools or know what to do to help him uh, in those times. But later on, as this relationship kind of progressed and God did give me an opportunity actually to step up, I guess, and take action with him. Okay. Tell us, tell us the story. (laughs) So this coworker, he had, you know, like I said, he had been struggling um, and he actually reached out to a mutual friend uh, at the gym and and this guy he spends a lot of time in the gym him and my other buddy and you know they're big guys and they're the, but they're teddy bears I think at heart uh they're, they're just really good down-to-earth guys um but yeah he had shared with him at the gym uh just that he was really hurting and and really struggling and going through just felt kind of like he was at rock bottom in life um just mm-hmm. you know struggling with depression and just his marriage and um, so this other friend reached out to me and it's funny how God works because there was a, a suicide, unfortunately, in our community and in our parish community mm-hmm. uh, during that time. And it was, you know, it was very sad and it was kind of unex- very unexpected. And so when I, when I heard of this from my friend that, hey, you're, your buddy here uh, that you work with is, is struggling. I, I knew that God was calling me to, to take steps and to act. Um, the Holy Spirit was nudging us to do something. We mm-hmm. couldn't just, we couldn't just sit, sit idle um, and not take action. So it really just, it kind of just happened one day he was coming into my cube um, and we were talking about work. And then I just brought it up. I said, you know, let's, let's get together uh, maybe over lunch or, you know, we could go out for breakfast or something. Uh, just you, me and my other friend and let's uh, just, just to talk and to, to get together. And, and this, this was a person that knew that where he was and he knew that um, 
he needed answers. He was looking actively searching for something to help him out of this struggle. Um, yeah. So it, sometimes there's people in our lives aren't always as willing or ready, <laughs> but um, yeah. this was a person that was ready. Yeah. I mean, I think everybody knows that. Like, I mean, just knows the, uh, yes, uh, there some people at work are just like, nope, that's just not a conversation. But even what you're saying, you've got this relationship built up. He's expressed, you know, he's already been open and sharing with you know, his friend, like, yeah, I'm kind of at rock bottom. And he's, he's coming to you. Um, maybe, you know, when he comes to the cubicle, he's not coming uh, specifically to say, hey, can we go to lunch? And could you talk to me about God? But that's a different scenario than Michael showing up at his cubicle, prying, you know, somebody open who doesn't want to share. It's just a natural friendship where you can, you know, you can tell there's a desire like, hey, yeah, let's get together. And you asked, I love, you just asked a question. Hey, do you want to get together? Um, I'm assuming the answer was yes. What, what, what yeah. did he say? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He said yes. So from there, we just uh, started I think, I think it just became over the lunch hour, really, you know, it's, this has been a couple of years in the making and um, we started to meet, whether at my friend's office or another location, and we would just pray together and we would just start to share some of the struggles that we were going through and how my friend and I have uh, relied on God and leaned on God for the times in our lives when we struggle. And we really shared, we had to get through to him that, I guess, first of all, that we cared. Um, mm -hmm. You know, he would hold back at times and be like, oh, I, I don't need to tell you guys all this, or I don't need, and I said, yes, mm -hmm. you do. That's why we're here. <laughs> you know, we care about you, and we want to help you, um, and we're here for you, and so we want you to share those things so that we can um, help you, and we can share our experiences, too, and so that's really what it was. It was trying to get him to see God's love for him, and that God doesn't there to punish him or things that have happened in his mm -hmm. past or what he's done he's not a punishing god he's not a vengeful god he he wants good things for you and he loves you and he desires you to be close to him and it was it was just over many multiple meetings over multiple weeks where we continued to share that with him uh, and god's love for him and his mercy and forgiveness uh, uh that we could just continue to grow michael it sounds like i mean you're laboring to convince him of two things. Like, no, we care. Like, we we want to know. We want to be here for you. And you're laboring to convince him God cares. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, he he cares too. What was there? Was there a, a breakthrough moment? And by the way, how did you pray together? Let's start there. How did you how did you pray together? I mean, you, you guys like that's I think was that one of was that the style of prayer? that you learned at the workshop that you all were doing together? Yeah. Some of that spontaneous prayer where you're just, uh, you're just like calling on the Holy spirit for him to be present. Um, it wasn't anything magical in the beginning, but we would start with just um, some prayer for the Holy spirit to be present for God to move and for God to work, because we know that it's nothing that we're going to do. It has to be the Holy spirit. And I mean, there were times we would, you know, have scripture and we would pray with uh, Lexio Divina and we'd get into scripture that way. Um, that was a great way to pray together. And we would always close just in prayer again, just in Thanksgiving and, um, you know, asking God to help us. And I really, it, you know, they, one of the things we learned is it's good to have a wingman. <laughs> and I got to give a lot of credit to my buddy because he's a, he's yeah. a, 
prayer warrior and he's really great at it. Um, and so having him there really helped increase that and help us really go deeper in prayer. Um, so I'm really thankful that he was a part of it. I, when I've tried to do this on my own, I'm not nearly as good. Uh. <laughs> that's a huge, you know, Michael, I am so glad you said like, that's a huge, I mean, yeah, you know, for those who are listening, like, yeah, get a wingman, like bring somebody with you, especially if you happen to know somebody who's you know, a prayer warrior, but like, yeah, getting them involved uh, pre- to be present or just just to, to cover you in prayer is huge. Now, now you said this unfolds over several weeks. What's happening over those weeks? What are you seeing happen, you know, in your relationships with each other, your friends' openness? Um, what, what's happening over the weeks and, and where do things turn? Yeah, so we're just, you know, building that relationship and just getting to know each other more and just trying to share more and more truth with him. Um, you know, sharing some of our struggles too. Uh, there was one point when we, you know, we shared our stories. So I should say, it's amazing how God lined this up because I joined the mentorship program, uh, plug for the program here, uh, during Go about the same time. And it's amazing because in the mentorship program, I was learning kind of the skills and, you know, the, and how to pray and things like that, right alongside with here's the real life experience of putting it into action. <laughs> like here, God says, here's, here's your chance to actually do what you're learning. So uh, good luck. So uh, I was in, I was in the mentorship program at the same time. And yeah, like I said, we just continued to, to grow in friendship. Uh, over that time and to tell him the truths of God's love for him. And uh, I was also given a book by Calvin Mueller. I think it was, it eventually would be kind of assigned reading in the mentorship program, but he gave it to me early and I just devoured it. It was called Clear and Simple. And yeah. it was, because that's what I need, uh, the way my mind works, like give me the step-by-step process to do this. <laughs> and so clear and simple uh, was just that. It, it, it really broke down um, in a systematic way, kind of like how to go about why we do this and how to go about doing it. And uh, one of the parts- And what's in the there, it? Go about like just developing relationships and sharing your faith? Yeah, yeah. Um, developing that relationship and that how people need to be called to, to make a decision. I guess, to surrender their lives to Jesus and, and how um, you go about doing that through relationships and being intentional with people. Michael, can we just stop there? Because that's, I think that's a little thought bomb that I want to make sure like goes off in everybody's mind. Because, you know, for those of us who've been raised Catholic, uh, I think one of the beauties of infant baptism is so many people um, I think about my friend Jen Mosier, who you know, coordinator of the you know mentorship program, and others would say I can't actually think of a time where I wasn't in relationship with God and knew God was my Father and loved the Lord. the The downside is that can sometimes obscure for us the reality that we do need to decide. That we do, you know, that that Jesus has this annoying habit of saying things like, well, who do you say that I am? You know, and even as a baby, before he can talk, the spirit is inspiring Simeon to say, this, this kid's going to be a sign of contradiction. And so Jesus wants us to decide. You know, I mean, you referenced Sherry Riddell. She's like intentional disciples, people that are, that have made a choice, a commitment. They've, they've kind of put a, put a flag in the ground. 
that can be a new concept. But you were convicted that you needed to invite when the right moment came, you needed to invite your friend to to decide, no, I I trust him. I do believe the Lord loves me and has my good in mind. You did get the opportunity to do that, didn't you? Yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I think growing up Catholic, I mean, a lot of times we think of God just, I always thought of him as just this person in the sky that I, I turned to when I needed something. Uh, and it wasn't until I started kind of uh, I didn't always know that he wanted to have a this personal relationship with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was it probably wasn't until maybe I read Sherry Waddell's book that that really crystallized. Um, and then I find out later that it has to be this decision. And I think the first thing we do is we go, "Oh man, uh, have I made that decision? Like, have I really surrendered uh, to God? And it, you know, is He the the number one priority in my life?" And so there's some, you know, there was a time there when I was just going through that, when I had some of those questions myself. And I think the thing that I struggled with at times was, you know, I'm very like literal and uh, I don't know what personality type it is, but very analytical. Uh, That's one of my strengths, I guess, or in weaknesses, but um, just thinking that, okay, well, then it has to be this, this decision at one point, one day where I lead somebody to do the decision and they say, yes, um, I think as I'm learning and growing uh, at being this missionary disciple, um, it's not always, and as I look back on my life, it's not always maybe that one moment where you said it verbally, but it can be just a period of time in your life uh, where it could be a handful of experiences like it was for me. Yeah. Um, Well, and you know, Michael, I think when we, I love, I love that you said that because I think some of the resistance that we have towards calling people to a decision is, I think, a a very wise awareness that, man, no, the way this really unfolds in people's lives is over weeks and months, and it's moment by moment by moment. And yes, some people have like one big moment, you know, the the St. Augustine on their knees. Um, But I think what's maybe more typical is a a kind of a series of, of moments. And I love, I mean, that's part of what it's so deep in our tradition. And I think it's something that we're rediscovering. You know, I think about St. Ignatius, like on his famous spiritual exercises retreat, he, he brings people through a series of meditations to the point where we literally, he, he creates this image of, right, of Christ on the battlefield. And he calls people to plant the flag and to make a decision. He's like, all right, who are you going to serve? So all this stuff is really deep in our tradition. Again, St. Augustine and you know, his personal conversion and St. Ignatius on the retreat. And almost everybody can look back and at least pinpoint a couple of moments, even if they're not lightning bolt moments. It's just that we're just, we're rediscovering that right now as a part of the way God works when he draws us closer to himself and when he invites us to help. Exactly. Yeah. And and with this experience with this coworker, it's like, it's funny because it was kind of more systematic in the way that, um, you know, my friend and I shared our story. Uh, I was looking at the clear and simple book and I was like, okay, I need to leave it, lead him to a decision. And I, I really did go through, you know, sharing the kerygma. Um, and then uh, there's a relationship diagram in that book where you say, are you ready to make Jesus the center of your life? And we actually did it uh, one day. I just felt the nudging from the, from the Holy Spirit that this was the right time. I think I, I think right before we met, I had kind of scribbled it out on a piece of crumpled up paper, um, not really expecting it to happen, but just kind of practicing. And then, uh, like I said, the Holy Spirit really just pushed me to do it that day. And 
it really was uh, one of the most amazing experiences I've ever witnessed. Um, and, you know, we talked about sometimes it is that moment like that where it's really just a yes to God in that moment and making that decision. And other times it's uh, more drawn out, but God gave me a, an opportunity here to do it where it really was that yes. And we, uh, we led him in prayer that day. I said, are, you know, are you ready to pray to make God the center of your life? And, and, you know, it was crackling voices and a lot of emotion and, and just, I was just nervous as all get out. Um, but we did, we did pray together that day. And I just remember leaving and just driving in the car and just being overwhelmed with uh, what God allowed me to be a part of an experience. Like, like this is huge. And I was just overcome with emotion. Like it was, it was just amazing to witness um, because I could see that that was really going to be heartfelt and it really was going to be a change in, in this person's life. Break down that conversation a little bit more for us. You, you used the word kerygma, uh, fancy evangelization word. Like what is, uh, you know, kerygma means procl- proclamation, right? It's a, it's a Greek word. It's kind of become shorthand for the message, you know, what, what we're proclaiming, break it down. Like, what did you, what did you share? Like, how did that conversation go? Cause I think for many of our listeners, most of our listeners, it's, it's like, yeah, I would love to do that. I don't know what the heck to say. And you referenced the book, you know, clear and simple. I think you said was really helpful, but just break down the conversation a little bit more. Like, what did you share? Yeah, I think through the, the mentorship program, we were learning about uh, the four R's, uh, and those are relationship, ruin, restored, and respond. And in that book, they talk about the St. Catherine of Siena's uh, bridge analogy, where you can kind of draw those different steps in in a little picture form, I guess, to kind of share that story. And I can't say that I did it completely in, you know, um, the whole diagram in, in, in one sitting, but I think it was more of a summarized version that first time with him. That is, I mean, that good news right there, what, as I've learned more. So I just recently read um, another book called Rescued by Father John Ricardo. Mm-hmm. And it's also um, just a story, uh, the good news, uh, and, and kind of breaks it down into another, the four-step process. But just really telling that story, I'm, I'm becoming to understand that it, it really does have power. God's, God's, the good news does have power and um, just being able to share that. So, so it was, and I can go into the steps, you know, talking about kind of what each one means. Um, yeah, real, real quick, break it down. You said, what was the first one? Relationship? Yeah, relationship. So that is, you know, God... God has uh, wants to have a personal relationship with you. He loves you. He knows you by name. And as we, you know, as you look in Genesis and read in Genesis, you know, he, we were created in the image and likeness of God. And uh, we're made to just be in communion with him. And um, I mean, this is the God that created the galaxies, that created billions, hundreds and hundreds of billions of stars. And he created you and loves you individually and wants you to share in his joy and happiness forever. And uh, so that he made you for relationship and to be in that relationship. The next step is ruin. So what happened? (laughs) Um, Well, it happened with Adam and Eve uh, with the tree where they they were given free will to make the choice for themselves. Um, 
and they decided, you know, they ate the, the apple from the tree. And not only that decision there to go against, see the, the devil comes and he casts out and says, he's not really going to punish you. Like he doesn't really, that's what the serpent does. He casts doubt. And so they say, oh yeah, maybe we can take things in our own hands. And they, and they eat the apple from the tree and, and they create that division in the same way that our sin in, in life creates that separation between God and us, it, it, it severs that relationship. And that's the ruin that you talk about with, the, with that second R. And the third one is restored. So there's good news from this. And that is, we're not stuck in that state. Uh, sin and death don't continue to have power over us. Uh, and we read in John 3.16 that God sent his only son. Uh, and so he destroys sin and death by sending Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. Um, another way that Father John Ricardo puts it is that he rescued us. He came to fight the enemy. Um, when you look at Jesus on the cross, uh, he's he's not the hunted. He's the hunter. Like he he wouldn't be on that cross. <laughs> I mean, he's God, right? Like he could do anything he wants. He wouldn't be on that cross unless he wanted to. So what was he doing? He he came to defeat the devil for us to destroy sin and death. Um, and so how do you respond? The last R is respond. Like, how do you respond to something like that? <laughs> you just, yeah. he just rescued you from captivity. Um, another way to think of it is like, think of like being in a concentration camp or, you know, like um, sex trafficking is a big issue nowadays. Like think of the hopelessness of that situation. And you can, you can kind of go just to see the state that we were in is to kind of imagine yourself in those situations. And, and then he came and rescued you and defeated uh, the overlord, defeated the person that kept you in captivity and, and took you out of that. So how do you respond to that? And the only way you can respond is just in praise and thanksgiving and just by surrendering your life to him, like, and then wanting to take on his mission and carry it out and bring other mm -hmm. people to that. That's awesome. Thank you, Mike. I, I appreciate that. Uh, I particularly like the, just the, the image of, I mean, right, modern day slavery. You know, the, the, a lot of the early Christians used to talk about, you know, Jesus coming and rescuing us from slavery. And yeah, imagine somebody like, you know, freeing you from the slavery of, um, you know, the, yeah, the modern day slave trade of, of sex trafficking. And, and like, no, I will, you know, I'll suffer the slavery and I will set you free. Like that's, that's awesome. So you're sharing some of that. Um, you're, you're talking about the good news with your, your friend, coworker, you said crackling voice voices. Talk, take us, we all were, you know, afterwards here, what, what happens? That relationship, it, it, uh, in that experience, it just continued from there. And we, I mean, I can't say that we didn't as times we were meeting and we had struggles or we didn't feel like things were progressing. And it, it's amazing. Like when you look back though, you can see it, uh, you can see God working and continuing to work, but we continued to, to meet and to pray together and to share struggles and, um, you know, look for different ways to, so now he, you know, he's made a decision. He wants to change his life. So now how can we start to, to help him and grow in that and help him to grow as a disciple? And so, you know, whether it be prayer or just, I think a big part after that was just re really recognizing a need for healing. Um, mm. Again, this, this person had been through a lot in their life yeah. and there was a lot of hurt. And I think a, 
a lot of people in our everyday lives that we come across, everybody, in fact, probably has, has a lot of hurt buried deep down below and a lot of healing that needs to happen. Yeah. Amen. Um, and so there was just a period of time when we were really kind of uncovering that. Uh, and again, my, my other friend has been really instrumental in that too. Uh, he's, he has a great story to share too of just uh, his life being addicted to alcohol and, and struggling with that. And, and, you know, it's been sober for many years now, but he's got such a personal story of struggling there that, you know, we were able to just continue to walk with that suffering and, and struggle and continuing to bring it to God and ask him to help and heal. So this kind of culminates to more recently, uh, we'd, we'd kind of mentioned like a year ago, maybe you should look at RCIA and think about, because we really wanted him to experience the fullness of the Catholic faith and and be able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist and to be able to go to confession and, um, and experience mm-hmm. reconciliation from everything. And, and he wasn't really we weren't pushing too hard on RCIA at first and it didn't really happen. Well, this past year he did join RCIA and thanks be to God. He's just continued to go through it. And he joined the Catholic church uh, on Pentecost Sunday. And just, again, just once again, it's just so amazing. Wow. How God this past been. year, this past year, he joined because it's not like 2000, you know, 2021 was like, well, this is the easy time to do yeah. RCIA. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, it definitely it hasn't been easy, but he he went through it and continued through it. And yeah, it, and then maybe that was part of the reason, because normally it typically I would think it would happen during Holy Week. Um, yeah. And so then they told me it was not going to happen right away. And I'm like, oh, gosh, but, it you know, it did happen this last Pentecost Sunday and it was it was beautiful. That's awesome. What's different about you? Again, you, you know, kind of like you started this this journey. Uh, what's what's different about you now? Um, you know, to take us back, you're like, oh, I read this book, Forming Intentional Disciples. Uh, you've gone through the mentorship program, which by the way, we'll put a, we'll put a link in the show notes. Um, it's a two-year program designed to, to help ordinary disciples really kind of discover what it means to be a missionary disciple. It's the skills and the habits and uh, beautiful, you know, retreats and uh, training sessions. You went through that. You did that first little workshop in in Norfolk. Uh, what's the Lord doing now? Yeah, it's just amazing. I mean, you, you hear about if you just continue to say yes to God, that He will just uh, do amazing things in your life. And 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 I I still consider myself just such a work in progress. And I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and to and to continue to just pray and look for where God's giving me opportunities to. Uh, to share the good news and to and to walk with people, I think, you know, the biggest thing that is kind of a discovery is that you know we can't help everyone. <laughs> There's a lot mm-hmm. of people that we want to try to just do it um, in a bigger groups and snap your finger and magically everybody is is a disciple. But and God isn't calling you to to reach everyone. I think as I'm as I'm growing, I'm learning that is that there's going to be individuals, you know, we're here for a reason. Um, mm-hmm. And he's put certain people in our lives for a reason. And it's just those individual relationships that we need to, to invest in and like give up our time to, to be with those people and to, to help them grow. And I think, so yeah, since, since this great experience with my coworker, um, I've, you know, I started another group with three other dads from, from the school uh, and we 
you know, we did a thing during Advent together where we were praying and, and then uh, we, we did the encounter study. I think the Archdiocese has a little, uh, a little, like when they did praying with Lent in small groups, um, they have a little encounter study that I used that really kind of walks through the Kerygma in, 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 in some form um, through that. And so we did that with this, with a group of three men and, it's funny because I had this such top of the mountain experience with my coworker and I was kind of expecting that to just happen magically again. And it, it turns out it doesn't. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, you know, even, even going through that and I met with him individually and, and, you know, shared the good news and I'm like, okay, are you ready to make a decision? And at first they were like, no, I don't, don't think I'm ready, <laughs> which was very honest. I'm like, oh, so this can happen. Uh, it's well, not just- but that's awesome. <laughs> that's actually like the, the only response that's weird is, is the kind of like, I mean, I don't, you know, like it is just ignoring the question. So yeah. I'm not ready right now is actually a really healthy response. Yeah. And then even through that, I mean, it was during uh, the pandemic, which wasn't always easy. So we were, you know, over zoom doing this study. And so it's not as intimate and, um, but even then later on that, that same individual, uh, and we brought it up again and he said he was ready. Uh, and so I led him in prayer, uh, that day over zoom. Now, was it like such an amazing, overwhelming emotional experience, uh, as the other one? No. Um, and I don't know what the fruits are necessarily from it, but I, I am understanding that it's, it's not up to me to, to control that that's it's in God's hands. And that's the Holy spirit. That's going to continue to work in that person's life. Yeah. Well, and the Lord honors our commitments, our desires to follow him when we express that, even if those aren't, those commitments aren't surrounded by overwhelming emotion. I mean, it's good for people to know they need to make a decision, even if they need time to think through whether or not they're going to do that. And even when they decide to make a, a commitment, if it's not you know, a mountaintop emotional high. I mean, it might be better if it's a very peaceful, sober, deliberate, all right, Lord, I'm in. You can have me. And as I'm discovering, you know, as I said before, is it doesn't necessarily have to be, uh, I lead you in this prayer. You say, I surrender to God and snap of the fingers, uh, life has changed. Um, it, it may be uh, more of a drawn out kind of experience for them where they kind of have to go to prayer and they have to wrestle with some things and they really have to get, yeah. as of, as of recently, me and my brother just started talking on a weekly basis, trying to strengthen our relationship. Um, it was kind of his idea, but I, I think it was a great idea. And we were reading a book together. The first book we read was this rescued book by Father John Ricardo. And yeah, he's already saying how it's had an impact because this that was the easy way to share the good news right let's just read the book together yeah um, and so it may not be and he's wrestling with that idea of how do i surrender my life to god and make that decision so it's may not be where i have to force it and we have to pray right now and you have to say yes but it may come more gradually on god's time yeah well i love it that, i mean you're jesus called people to decision he called people to conversion and you're doing that. And that's, that's kind of become a lost art, you know, even amongst those who would consider themselves missionaries or ministers of the gospel um, or a faithful disciple. We've, we've kind of lost the art of calling people to conversion. And what I love is that you're, you're in these deep, long lasting, committed, generous friendships, relationships, and, 
And in that context, as you share who you are, as you share the good news, you're calling people to make a decision. And that's that's fantastic. I, I, I wanted to ask maybe, Michael, kind of a final question here. There's a lot of people listening who would love to see someone in their life, their kid, their coworker, you know, a, a spouse. They'd love to see someone else kind of experience that, that they, they know maybe the Lord's kind of, they brought, the Lord has brought this person, laid them on their heart. They, they want to know how to share the good news, how to, how to call someone to conversion. Like what, yeah, what, what are just some practical advice uh, that you would give uh, for, for people who they're, they're feeling this, they, they want to, they want to do this. There's someone in their life. How, how do you, how do they get started? Yeah, I think it starts with prayer, right? It starts with with having that daily habit of prayer and bringing that to God and and asking Him how He wants to work in that people person's life. Um, mm. Lord, I know You're already working. Just how can I cooperate with that? And you do that like very practically. You had a list, and yeah. you would take out that list, and you would talk to the Lord. Like, all right, Lord, what a, my coworker here? What do I? What What are you doing? How do I cooperate? Yeah, just give me an opportunity uh, to 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 invest in them more fully and to share you with them. So, um, awesome. And I think it really just becomes. It's going to be. I hate to say it, but it's it's going to be uh, work on your part. Um, I don't know if "work's" the right word, but you're you're going to have to make time in your schedule. Like, as busy as we are these days, um, it especially if you have multiple kids, um, mm-hmm. it, it takes effort to line up a schedule to be able to start to meet with people on a regular basis. But this isn't going to happen without um, spending time with people. It's not going to be yeah. some magic formula. So you have to invest and, and spend the time with people. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really good. That's really good advice. I mean, in intentionality, I think we've all kind of discovered that, you know, God willing, as the the pandemic seems to be tapering off, as we're kind of rediscovering social lives and and friendships and intentionality, uh, well, as we're rediscovering those things, we actually have to be intentional. We have to make time. Michael, anything anything else in the kind of parting parting words, advice here? Well, I would say, you know, as I, you know, this is a very systematic way of sharing the kerygma when I talk about the four R's or Father John Ricardo's, the created, captured, rescued, respond. Um, I guess it kind of dawned on me or maybe just God just hit me over the head and said, you've kind of been sharing the kerygma all along. Like if you think of that experience with the coworker, Mm -hmm. um, I may have not have just turned to the four R's, but I was telling him all the time about God's love for him and how, um, you know, how he cares about you and the mercy that he has. And then uh, that leading, trying to lead him away from sin or struggles in his life and be like, you know, that's not God's plan for you. And, and just sharing with him, like the vision of what God desires for you. Like, so it doesn't have to be so systematic, which I get, I struggle with at times because I really want that here's step-by-step how to do it, but it can really just be, it's almost like the, the kerygma gives you just talking points as you're just in conversation with people. Um, and you can share it in pieces. You can share it in your own story. I think that's one thing I didn't really mention. But as you share your story with people, I mean, it has the same kind of um, the same kind of flow as, as the good news, right? I mean, we're, 
we we were made like even myself made in made by God in a, in a good loving Catholic family and then I kind of drifted and I was selfish and I was searching and and then God broke through to me and he and he restored and he he called me to more and he showed me his love and 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 then now I'm responding and learning how to become a missionary disciple and and to and to do his mission in the world and so I think you can also do it that way you can also share your story in a way that shares the kerygma yeah that's fantastic I think I've you know years of training missionaries and you know having the the great joy to be one of the instructors for the mentorship program I I always like to kind of say it this way it's like the the kerygma those points of you know whatever acronym or word you use but you know relationship ruin you know, restores, respond. Those are like the skeleton, right? Those are like, that's, that's like the structure that's, that's common to every proclamation of the gospel, but it needs to be made flesh, right? It needs to have like, it needs to have like this, this covering on it that it's, it's, it's wrapped in our lives. And, and when we really look at it, all of our lives, they kind of have that pattern, right? Where it's like, yeah, there was, uh, and, and sometimes the pattern seems to go in reverse order. You know, there's a number of people say like, yeah, um, for as long as I can remember at the very beginning, my life kind of sucked and I was living in ruin. Um, and it wasn't until way later that I realized the Lord uh, that I was actually, and it was hard to believe that I was made for relationship, that I was wanted, that I was, you know, that I was worthy and, you know, desired by God. And, but everybody... That, that structure is kind of the same for every story. And it's like, you think about human people, it's like, man, the way God works in our lives is very particular, but we all have this kind of common skeleton. But when you look at us, when, when the full kind of person is there, man, everybody looks really different, even though at the structural level, there's a lot of commonality between us. So say it's the same thing with our, our faith stories too. That's awesome. Michael, thank you. Thanks for, thanks for what you do. Thanks for, thanks for this story. I think, I think a lot of people, um, I think can relate to the way you've lived, uh, and this journey. Uh, I think you're kind of emblematic of what so many of us are, are rediscovering, you know, this call of like, what does it mean to really be a friend? What does it really mean to be a missionary in our, in our work to our families? Um, so thanks for sharing your story today. Yeah. Thank you for, uh, letting me part of the, be part of this, Jim. It's been a, been a pleasure. All right, everybody. If you would like to get the links to those books, uh, clear and simple that Michael referenced, uh, we can put a little cheat sheet to the four R's and a link to the mentorship program. All of those goodies are available for you in the show notes. You can find them at equip.archomaha.org. You can subscribe there. So anytime we drop a blog and a new episode of the podcast, you can get uh, get notice of those and you can get all of that. And if you know someone who has a similar kind of desire, if this episode spoke to you, go ahead and share it with a friend. Uh, Michael, again, thanks for being with us. And uh, thank you, everybody. Thank you.